Well, hello there, and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help people like you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And as always, I'd like to say, if this is your very first episode, I want to say welcome. Super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, welcome back. I appreciate you so much. And whether you are a new friend or an old friend, today you and I get to hang out with Tony Grebmeyer. As a husband, father, friend, and serial entrepreneur, Tony's current ventures include co-founding Ship Offers with his childhood friends and creating the Be Fulfilled brand. Ship Offers recently celebrated their 20th anniversary, and the company has been listed on the Inc. 5000 list seven times. Tony believes that the journey to finding fulfillment is often filled with stories of stuff we never thought would happen. You may even feel like giving up entirely, and that was Tony's story until his friend John showed up and saved his life. Once that happened, Tony knew he wanted to give back, and one of the companies he created from the lessons he discovered over the past 24 years as an owner slash operator was the Be Fulfilled Journal. This journal has enabled over 5,000 entrepreneurs to develop a fresh vision for their life and take action right away. Tony is also the host of the popular Be Fulfilled podcast, where he's been on a quest for the past four seasons to redefine how we determine success. It's the perfect show for anyone on their journey to personal or professional fulfillment looking for some additional motivation on the climb up success mountain and there's so much to look forward to in today's episode but as always i want you to look out for three specific things number one how tony was actually an all-american in water polo and what crazy punishment his coach made his teammates do if they messed up number two how you can get into greater alignment with your personal life and business by using his triple a framework archaeologist architect and astronaut. I absolutely love that one. So keep an eye out for that. And number three, Tony gets vulnerable and he shares a story about how he was in the middle of writing his suicide note when he got a phone call from a friend that saved his life. So that was a super powerful story, especially if you're going through a tough time or you know somebody else that's going through a tough time. So all that to look forward to today. But before we dive in, I want to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to Jeff Simon, who left a review saying, imagine listening in on a conversation with people who solve problems that you're struggling with. Brandon has stellar guests and he always draws tremendously valuable insights on the short list of my favorite podcasts. So thank you so much for the kind words, Jeff. Really appreciate that. And if you're a returning listener and you're listening to my voice right now and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, what, what are you waiting for? Come on, please. <laughs> and not only does it absolutely make my day, it really does. I stop, I read every single one, I get an email that comes through and I read it. So grateful for it. So it makes my day. And then it also helps other people to discover the show because it increases the ranking and all that other good stuff. So if you could help a brother out, <laughs> please leave a review. And you can do that by going to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. That's the number seven figure, F-I-G-U-R-E-M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L-S.com slash review. And it's gonna show you exactly how to leave review. And if you choose to leave an honest review, there's a little thank you gift that I want to give you that reveals exactly how I get the incredible guests on the show and how you can get the connections you need to grow your business. So all that can be found at sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. Or another way is if you go to ratethispodcast.com slash 7FM, that will also show you how to leave a review. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Tony Grebmeyer. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, 
How can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Mr. Tony G, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. For sure. Let's gonna, we're going to unpack a little bit about what made Tony G, Tony G. And I'm sure everybody has already heard your bio before we, we kicked on. And I want to unpack all that incredible stuff, but I want to start with somewhere really fun. So through my research, I found out that you were an All-American in water polo as a goalie. And so I'm reading from the Sunday, November 18th, 1990 on page 26 of the Santa Cruz Journal. <laughs> I found this. I don't know how I found it, but it says Saturday was Greb Meyer's day. He played the game of his life. Harbor coach Jack Dufer said he blocked a four meter penalty shot. He was blocking everything. The shots got that got by were shots that no one could have blocked. Greb Meyer capped a great defensive performance with a little offense of his own. With four seconds remaining in the game, Greb Meyer swam out of the goal with a ball and fired from deep in the harbor for the end Pirates' final goal. It was the best game I've ever played. So that is so cool. You don't meet someone that is a water polo All-American every single day. So um, I, I want to start here because I know you're passionate about it, but I thought it'd be funny to start with um, what your coach would make you do as an embarrassing punishment if something went wrong when you were practicing for water polo. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I love to talk about it. Um, <laughs> so kind of just like on the other side of where we practice water polo was the track and the football players would play out there and the cheerleaders would cheer out there and practice. And if you got in trouble, you were asked to get out of the pool wearing your speedo, grab a Mikasa water polo ball, walk to the track and then run a lap around the track and <laughs> all of its glory and come back. But what the funny part was all your teammates would walk up like in the stands where the pool was and you could peek over the buildings and you could see it happening. And it was, it was like kind of like the walk of shame coming back at first. You're like, ah, look at me. I'm going out there to do this. And you come back and you're just like, Oh, what? Just a, okay. I'm going to pay attention now. I'm not going to mess around anymore. It was funny. So what got you into water polo to begin with? I know it's kind of like a niche sport to, to dive into. Sure. You know, I was that troublesome kid, didn't know what I wanted to do. Tried pretty much one other sport at the time really was soccer. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to kind of be a, a decent goalie at soccer. And I was getting into trouble and my mom was good friends with the JV coach, Mark Garrett. And said, you know, hey, bring your kid out. Like, let's just try him. And I did not really enjoy swimming. I mean, swimming was what I would do a cannonball, flying squirrel, jump in the pool, swim around a, <laughs> a few laps, get out. But, you know, I didn't think about wanting to swim up and down the, the pool all day. So I got in, they asked me to swim a little bit. I swam. I was like, ah, eh, it's not really for me. And then they said, Hey, do you want to try going into the cage? And I don't know if you've ever done anything before, Brian, but when, when you are honed in and like, think about Michael Jordan, cause that's like the best way I could equate it to is like, I got an opportunity to jump into the cage and they said, go ahead. And people just started shooting. And my hands just went like this. And I just started blocking like everything. And I kind of remember the look on my coach's face. He looked at the other coaches like, man, there's something here. And I didn't want to leave, man. I felt like it's where I belonged. Um, how you mentioned in that article that I scored the, the end game goal. I'm actually the first goalie once the rule changed when I was 13, 13 and a half down in like San Luis Obispo, we played in the junior Olympics and they changed the rule that a goalie was only able to go like towards halfway. And then he had to let go of the ball. 
the rule changed that a goalie at any time could shoot or pass the ball all the way down. And my coach looked at me, that same coach, Mark Garrett, looked at me a couple seconds left in like the quarter and he goes, just fire it. And I just threw that ball and I went, and I just remember being the first guy ever to do it because the rule changed the night before and we played the very first game. So that kind of became my deal, like always a lefty trying to figure out how to like get my shot in. So uh, over my career, that was one of the fun things that I enjoyed was, you know, that's about as much I'll talk about water polo is that I got to travel around the world and play a sport. Everybody thinks when you hear water polo, a guy will, you know, swimming on a horse, you know, like, you know, polo wasn't (laughs) something that was like a big sport where I grew up in Santa Cruz. But water polo was surfing and that kind of stuff. And I just fell in love with it. And and I'm so grateful that a coach saw something in me. And that's something as my one of my early memories of a mentor. Somebody saw something in me and taught me. And then when I was still struggling a little bit in high school, they asked me, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I don't really know. And they said, would you like to play water polo? And they took me to a junior college because my grades were horrible. I mean, I had Stanford, all these big schools looking at me. But when they look at my academics and my transcripts, and then there was nothing there. But I was given an opportunity to play for a guy who played in the Olympics. And that guy coached um, my coach. And so I was very honored to, to be able to play at a heightened level and still travel and do the things that I loved. That's awesome. I can't imagine playing real water polo. And when I was in college we played inner tube water polo so we <laughs> we got we had a flotation device we were in treading water so that's that's crazy but i thought that would be a, a fun place to start and i want to do one more fun fun place that i i dug up and then we'll kind of dug in, dig into some of the other stuff but i found out in an offhanded comment that you had mentioned in another interview that your aunt worked in hollywood uh mm-hmm. and you were kind of around celebrities all your life and i think that's kind of cool and it speaks to some of the work that you were able to do in radio eventually but also to the ability to relate to people and connect with people that you have. So I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about that experience and what would that, what that was like, because I can only imagine that was probably pretty transformative. Well, the moment I talk about this stuff, I'm dating myself. I grew up in the seventies. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get to go to Hollywood. My aunt Beverly still around doing amazing things. And she still teaches over at USC in the theater department. Um, she was best friends with uh, an actress by the name of Mary Tyler Moore. So I grew up around Mary Tyler Moore um, Joan Worley, uh, Dom DeLuise. Some people know Michael DeLuise from like 21 Jump Street. Um, I was just fortunate enough to see it at an early age. But the parallel to that was my dad was also the producer of the Miss California pageant and he produced the California pageant for 30 years. So I always saw celebrities. And, you know, the, the first thing when you see somebody is you get, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. Oh my God. And you rattle off everything and you're like, oh my gosh, I wonder if I can get a photo. And these people were so kind. I wasn't in awe. They were just humans. And I, and I realized that um, a gentleman that I got a chance to go to school with, uh, Adam Scott, uh, in our yearbook uh, coming up on 30-year uh, high school reunion, um, it was like a section like, who is most likely to win an Academy Award? And it was Adam Scott. And I love the fact that he's probably the closest guy that I know to just the average guy who I played water polo with him. You know, he was, his mom was my teacher. He was just down to earth. He was in theater. And I realized that, and that helped me as I got older too, when I was around all these celebrities uh, and stars from radio, people are just people. They just found their passion. They found their path and that's what they do. So I don't usually get starstruck. I usually am more, my wife hates watching movies with me. So if you ever want a real fun fact, don't watch movies with me 
because <laughs> I'm listening the entire time. I'm like, if it's specifically, if it was an animated, as my kids were growing up, I'm like, that's so-and-so. Can you hear him? He was in this movie and that movie and he did that movie. I'm more fascinated by voices. I think I spent so much time in radio. You, you people listen to the music. I, I turn down the music and listen to the commercials. That's where we get paid. So uh, fun facts there is that you get paid when you play commercials. If you ain't playing any commercials, that station ain't making any money. Mm-hmm. Love so, that. you know, growing up around celebrities, it's fun. I love it. Um, and I love the, I love the fact that, you know, when I was watching a TV show by the name of Entourage, that's probably the first time I really got starstruck because E, one of the characters had a secretary and that happened to be my aunt Beverly. And that was so cool. Cause like 20 some odd years later of watching her, you know, I hadn't seen her in a while on television and all of a sudden she's the secretary to E and that was just so fascinating to me. I'm like, that's my aunt. And that was the proud text moment. Did you see my aunt last night? She rocked it. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. I, so I, I'm going to take this little detour here because I think this is really cool. Another thing that I found out is that one of your coaches that you ended up working with, you were actually one of the few moments that you were starstruck is when, when you met Sean Stevenson. So I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit about Sean because he's just such an incredible human that, that has given so much to this world. So we'd love to maybe share a little bit about that experience of working with Sean and maybe the first time meeting Sean. Yeah. I mean, the very first night I met Sean was a total accident. I was interested in Genius Network. Dan Cushell sent me a video kind of like, here's all the cool things that Genius is about. And there was like, don't be a douchebag video or some funny little line to a video. And I clicked on it on YouTube and I watched it. And Sean was like, trying to be the person to say like, Hey, if you come to these events, be the person that adds value. Don't just take, don't be the guy who just takes everything and not gives anything back. So I remember that. And I was just so loved at that. The mic drop at the end, he just dropped the mic. And I was like, dude, that guy's awesome. And then the next day I happened to be at a invitation to a new mastermind that was starting up called the total CEO. My good buddy, Vinny Fisher said, come, come to Cleveland, come check it out. And all of a sudden this guy rolls by and I'm like, that's the guy I just saw on a video. That's Sean Stevenson. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was literally jaw all the way open and I couldn't even say anything. And so I don't know about an hour or two after like the first break, I got enough courage to walk up to him and I'm like, Hey dude, I just want to apologize. Like I just didn't say anything. And I just watched the video the night before with you. And I was just so fascinated by your message and then diving in, watching some previous videos and really learning about why you're here and how you want to rid the world of insecurity. And I really relate to that. And over the, I'd say the better part of the next three to four years, um, I hired him to coach me. He really helped me in a lot of ways. And then when I was getting ready to um, launch my journal, I just had heard a crazy story that he shared how he had Tony Robbins write the forward to his book. Um, And I said, hey, would you share that story? And he shared this quick little tidbit. One day when he was younger, he met Tony Robbins and he asked Tony, he says, hey, if I ever write a book, would you write a forward? He's like, sure. And so it's about 20 years later. And Sean's like, I need to get a hold of Tony Robbins. I want to see if he'll write the forward to my big book. And he's sitting at his computer and he literally got a email from Tony Robbins. Like, personalized, Sean, it's Tony. Like, Hey, can you help me? And then he told me what the context of the story was about. It was more about, Hey, can you come over and fix my stereo? It's not working. And somehow 
through the years, they must have had a conversation back and forth. It was the wrong Sean. Tony was reaching out for his audio tech and got this Sean. <laughs> and, and then Sean quickly writes back like, hey, um, I don't know if you remember me, but when I was younger, you said you'd write my bio, da, 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 any chance you could do it. And the next day you had a bio. And I just remembered like something was courageous in the ask. If we don't ask, we'll never know, right? I was reading a quote today. We usually make two mistakes a year and we're going to make those two mistakes regardless. So why don't you go for it anyways, right? And so I, I called up Sean. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm writing this. I would love it. Would you be interested? And he didn't even let me finish. He's like, yeah, absolutely. So my lineage looks like this. Tony Robbins wrote the forward to Sean and Sean wrote the forward to me. And I was like, dang, I'll take that. I like that. That seems really, really powerful. And um, I'm really, really proud and honored to have spent some really, really quality moments with Sean completely outside of the context of any coaching, just two great humans trying to help each other to be the best versions of ourselves. And I spent a lot of time with him personally and um, he passed and he's always been somebody um, that I think of. Uh, one of the greatest compliments I get is I'm friends with his mom on Facebook. And I love when she comments a little bit of Sean shows up. I did a podcast not too long ago um, with his wife at the time, Mindy Kniss. Love the fact that I get to be a part of that. And they are just humans who want to give. And I'm doing my part to rid the world of insecurity by carrying Sean's message. Yeah. So beautiful. And for those of you who don't know Sean, I would highly encourage you look him up. He's, his, his nickname is a little bit, I think one of his nicknames is the three foot giant. So he's broken hundreds of bones in his life. He has, uh, you know, he, he's in a wheelchair since he was pretty much born. And um, so he's just an incredible human being with a message. And uh, like you said, he recently passed, but I just thought that was beautiful uh, that you had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him. So um, so cool. And this is going to go a little bit back to where we were before we took that little bit of a detour, but there's, there's kind of two more main things I want to discuss a little bit about how you grew up, Tony, before we dive into ship offers and some of the stuff that you do with, um, you know, the personal side of fulfillment and the professional side of fulfillment. But, um, you alluded to your dad being the, uh, producing the Miss California pageant. And I know you also had a really unique experience growing up because you had two completely different perspectives on money growing up. You had your dad that was doing the Miss California pageant and doing other stuff. And then you had your perspective from your mom. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your perception of how money worked based on your upbringing with uh, two different parents. Wow. Great question. Uh, lenses. Like I really think um, for me today, my, uh, I had the glasses and the lenses and my glasses backwards. Um, I saw what I wanted to see, which was Instagram success back in the day, watching my dad produce this California pageant, drive nice cars. I mean, he was the first guy I ever knew who had a rolling studio, like in like an Airstream. He had like a full working studio, could plug it in, plug in television, telephones, like everything. You just plug it in. And I'm like, dang, this is awesome. And so I just saw success through that lens. And I'm like, I want it. If he wanted it, he bought it. And then on the other side, I had a mother who worked three jobs to put food on the table for my sister and myself, who taught special education, was gone all the time, and secretly was doing anything and everything to support you know, my sister and myself. But I didn't really understand that because it wasn't like she's like, hey, do you see me? I'm out here working to put food on the... It wasn't like that. She, didn't, she wasn't boasting. She was just doing. 
but I saw my dad and I really, I, I, I saw the success that my dad had and I modeled it. And part of my lesson that I've learned in life is be careful who you model after. I love my dad to pieces. My dad's been gone almost eight years, but be careful who you model because you, you can end up modeling the person for all the wrong reasons instead of all the right reasons. And so I watched my dad make millions, lose millions, make millions, lose millions. My story was very successful, young, started a company, made millions, lost millions, millions in debt. It's kind of interesting how like if you, you know, success leaves clues. I love that quote. And I saw it. I wanted it so bad that I became what I saw. And next thing I know, my life was completely miserable. And on the other side, my mom was just doing anything she could to, to help us. And I remember one day, uh, 12, 14 of 08, my life, you know, fast forward, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm married. I got, you know, my gosh, no, I'm in my 30s. I had two kids and my mom called me up on the phone and she just said, hey, look, I got a divorce from your dad early on. I, I saw everything that he went through. I see what you're kind of going through, some struggles, ups and downs. Um, I really think maybe you need some help with, you know, you've got some addiction issues. And I'm like, no, I don't. And like 44 minutes of me telling my mom, I don't have something. Moms are pretty resilient. And at the 45 minute mark, I think either A to get just off the phone, shut her up or whatnot. I just said, you're right. I do need help. And I went and got help, you know, and I've been clean and sober ever since on 12, 15 of 08. So um, mom's no best. And mom's, you know, my mom had a plan and and the plan probably didn't work out the way she wanted it, but I know that she wouldn't change it. I talked to my mom every day. Uh, my mom is, uh, you know, so proud of myself and my sister, something that I struggled with as a kid. Cause I didn't, I, I always tell people don't take it out of context, but I didn't feel love growing up. I, I felt passed around like a baton and someone running a relay race. But when I look back and I start making conversations, I was really, really loved. I was really, really well taken care of. Everybody was trying their best, but I was just a spasmatic like kid all over the place. Um, maybe that's why I had you know 14 jobs by the time I was 18 years old. I was trying to figure out all the things I didn't want to do on my path to figuring out what I really wanted to do. And so, you know, my mom was my best friend. I, she's one of my mentors that I call on a daily basis. And she's, you know, seven hours ahead in the UK. And I talked to her, talked to her today. Um, it's just somebody that I kind of realized that she has so much wisdom from her upbringing of being an only child and the things that she had to go through to struggle, but then also working multiple jobs, figuring it didn't matter if it was, I don't really want to call it multi-level marketing, but she sold like Arbonne or sold skincare, worked at a place in the mall, would do whatever to hustle to help uh, my sister and I to have food. And, you know, my, my mom made a teacher salary, which at the day and still to this day, teachers aren't paid what they're worth. Um, and, you know, I, I really respect that the fact that she put everything she into helping my sister and I become the versions of ourselves today. And the interesting part, when my dad passed, he didn't have any money. We awarded him to the state. Um, you know, he died of Alzheimer's and dementia. So that's a big cause for my sister and I to fight for. We're aware of it. We're constantly trying to do things to get the word out and spread that message. And, you know, he did everything he could. But the one thing that I'll make a point of is um, my dad loved me the best he could. And my mom's loved me the best she could. And I think that's something that I didn't really understand growing up because all I saw were glitz right? The, all the glamour, all the life, they look great. And then I saw somebody not at home. And so I had a skewed version 
of what love was and what I wanted. And when I got into trouble and messed up my life, um, I realized that my lenses and my glasses were backwards. My priorities were out of sorts and I needed to get some stuff done and, and change became the focus of my life. And that's what I really try to help people with today is, you know, I got two options today, man. I do nothing or do something. So why don't you do something that you love? Right. Cause you can get up and do absolutely nothing and smoke pot all day and sit on a couch and that's your life. Awesome. But I, it's kind of like talking to you and anybody I know, listen to your show. They're, 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 they're doers. They're doing something. They're going to do something magical. They're going to try today. My neighbor Todd always told me, he goes, everybody's a teacher, Tony, teaching us something to do, something not to do. So everybody's a teacher. So be careful who you're learning from. I think that's the moral of that story. Yeah. It's beautiful. And there's a few things that I just want to highlight there. And there's a reason why I wanted to dig into this because I think it's so, so important. This is such a common theme on the show is that the most successful entrepreneurs I've talked to have really done the deep work of studying their past, their childhood, and the unconscious narratives that really start manifesting in your life. So if you're listening to this right now and you haven't really, it's just kind of like, oh, that was just a thing that happened in the past. I would really encourage you to just zoom in because I think that's where the gold is in so much of our daily lives is that it's these unconscious narratives that were programmed. And so thank you. I call, Tony, I call it triple A. Before you do anything, you want to become an archaeologist and, and look in your past. Your past holds everything that you need to know to kind of what the future is going to look like, right? Because you can have the same past in your future show up again. Mm-hmm. So you first, you want to become an archaeologist. Then you want to become the architect of your life. And next you need as, as the kind of the architect, you want to become an astronaut and, and blast off out into the universe. It's wide open. It's, it's free. It needs ready to be explored. So AAA is basically what it is. The archeologist, the architect, and the astronaut. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and yeah, and again, thank you for being willing to be vulnerable too. Cause I think that that's something that's, that's such a powerful strength for people. So, um, We've talked a little bit about the history of your mom and your dad, and I, I want to maybe bridge the gap between you starting this company, Ship Offers, that you've worked on. But you know, if anybody's listening to this, you have a beautiful radio voice, and that's because you were in radio. We alluded to radio. So uh, would love to maybe talk about how you made the jump from being on the radio to um, taking a, a, or making a business call that turned into Ship Offers in the direction you had, and maybe start by giving us your Yoda impression. <laughs> Strong with the force you are, yeah. <laughs> um, great, great stuff. I, you know what? I, if I don't back up and tell a little bit of the story, I think anybody listening today will miss, I think, the most important thing. Please and, do. Um, I was about 11 years old and I got the gift to go to Robert Louis Stevenson for summer camp. My dad sent me. Um, I got a chance to go to summer camp. It was like eight weeks. It was in Pebble Beach, 17-mile drive. And I was taking different you know, classes and things that you could do. And I was in the theater program and I was like the first Indian in the 10 little Indians to die. I do remember that clearly because I have a very short attention span. And so I was down on the ground looking up at like a window way in the very back of the theater. And I saw all these people kind of laughing and dancing. And I said to the person helping, I go, what is that? And they said, that's the radio station. And I'm like, oh man. And that was it. I finished 10 little Indians finished the play the next week. And then I went and became uh, a DJ at 11. You know, I got my FCC license at 13, but 11, 12 broadcasted every summer. I was super excited. 
And by the time I was 13, got my FCC license, I was listening to Top 40, 102.5, K-Don, Selena, Santa Cruz, and the Monterey Bay. And I was calling in all the time. I was calling in the radio station on the Top 88. I'm like, can I be your guest DJ? And they're like, sure. And then one day it clicked. They started calling me to be like the voice for the whole Top 88. And I knew there was something magical when that phone rang that they needed me to do something that I loved and I loved the radio. And I was always the guy, you know, cassette tape back in the day, you know, play and record and record songs and then listen to them. And then I just loved using my voice as a, as an opportunity. I didn't talk until I was four years old. Maybe that had something to do with it. Mm. Um, I, I said four words. My, my family was always concerned what the heck was going on. Um, I, I now tell people I was in observation mode. I totally talk. Um, so I was just listening and watching what was going on around me. Um, by the time I went off to uh, college to play water polo, I walked by a um, radio station at Modesto and I stopped by and I said, Hey, you know, how does one get into this class? Like, you got to take a prerequisite to, to get into this class. You need like communications 101 first, and then you can come into communications 102. And I'm like, to talk on the radio, Bob? Like, I can do that. And I convinced the lady to give me a shot. And by the end of the semester, I had four radio slots, country Bob, reggae Bob, rock Bob, and then just me, Tony. And I got an opportunity to be an intern at a local radio station, made more money pushing buttons than I'd ever made in my life doing anything else. And I think it was like six bucks an hour, seven bucks an hour. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. And there was only one problem. They wouldn't let me talk on the radio. I only got to push buttons on Sunday morning for Bob Kingsley and American Country Countdown. And I was like, man. And then one night I was working hard and Bob Salmon walked in and he was smoking a cigarette and you could smell him before you saw him. You could just, there was like this smell through the air and he walked in. He's like, Hey man, how you doing? I said, I'm great. He's like, how would you like to be on the radio? I said, I would love to. He's like, cool. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance one hour tomorrow morning, but it's a six hour time slot. You get to come on at like three o'clock in the morning for an hour. Uh, I need you to write everything down, type it out, put it on my desk and I'll approve it. Go for it. And I did that probably for several months. I typed out everything I was going to say and I just grew from saying yes. And that is a moral of a story. Um, Owen, my youngest heard this from a good friend. He says, say yes until it makes sense to say no. Say yes until it makes sense to say hmm. no. And I just kept saying yes. That's probably the secret sauce for my life is I just said yes a lot. I didn't know. I just said yes. And from one thing led to another, I, I switched stations and went up to spend time with my grandparents before they passed up in Redding, California. Got out of radio for just a brief period of time because I didn't want to live there anymore. And I wanted to come home to San Jose. So I, I went from Redding, which was like no man's land in radio, to back in market number 30 out of all of the places that you could be on the United States. And we competed against market four, which was San Francisco. Um, and I loved it. And I love the fact that I was given an opportunity. I was in Silicon Valley, um, but the internet was just getting born and just getting started. And uh, I got an opportunity one day. Um, somebody whispered in my ear, basically says, hey, you think you could build this? And I'm like, uh, what is it? And they're like, it's a website. I'm like, well, what's a website? They're like the thing like CompuServe, Prodigy, Earthlink, the thing that you dial up, AOL. And I'm like, oh, the thing that we're actually looking at. I'm like, uh, sure, I'll figure it out. And pounded on some keys and bought a piece of software not too there long after called uh, Adobe PageMill. 
Um, and I think they named the product because Page Mill Road was not too far from where like Adobe was. And it was a place to put in HTML, like you'd pound like normal and it'd create HTML. And I learned about hyperlinks, started building websites. One thing led to another. Buddy of mine at the time, we, we had about 7 million visitors a day to all of our websites that we had. We were selling traffic. Um, we were fortunate enough when Google came on, we were selling our exit traffic and some of our traffic over to Google. So I was involved watching, you know, kind of that business kind of start up. And then I got a chance to leave radio and I went to sell bandwidth and I was selling bandwidth at a place where my wife the night before was like the manager of a club. And the next day um, it was being demolished. And I watched WebMD flip on for the very first time. Uh, Alchemy, like a big uh, ad network was there. All these big companies were coming on board and I was in the heart of Silicon Valley, 96, 97, 98, 99. And I really at 99, got an opportunity. I was growing, selling a lot of traffic. And then my family and I had our first son. And after his first year of being around, I got the opportunity to move to Los Angeles. And really kind of the next chapter started for me. I became um, a partner in a uh, supplement and fulfillment company. Uh, that company's still around today. The owner, Pat Galvin, uh, has done a great job with that company. But I got around people who created like the BMI magnets, like they were partners with Ronnie Lott, the old football player, um, a gentleman by the name of um, Gene Boyer, who found Billy Blanks working out and was able to get the whole infomercial world for Billy Blanks to be created. And, you know, he told me his story about making VCR tapes of Billy and workout regiments. And then that went on to the whole start of, you know, what you saw is, you know, Billy Blanks with Gumpy Ranker and all the other fun stuff. And then football players and various athletes. And we started, and then we I rolled that into a dot com that um, I was partners with Ted Williams, the baseball player's son, John, John Henry Williams. Um, watched that thing literally get to the point where we were, had TV shows. We had bids from corporate America, you know, big companies trying to buy us TV networks. And then I think along the way, after Cynthia McFadden in 2020 interviewed us, our egos get in the way and you see all these people wanting you and you kind of think, and, and this is a great tip, anybody listening today, um, you always believe your business is worth what it's worth, but until you do a business evaluation or find somebody willing to pay you for what you think it's worth, it's worth whatever it's worth. And, um, uh, we had like a $40 million offer on the table and six people said, uh, no, I was one of the four people who said yes to sell it. Um, so I was one of the people who had a dot bomb and, um, that put a sour taste in my mouth and that really kind of propelled me to say, if I'm going to have something go down, it's because of something I did. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be, um, I don't want anybody to hold something over my head. And so, um, October 20th, I, I left that company in 2000. And a couple of weeks later, we launched um, what is now our business in my garage. And so the company, when we were founded, was called I-5. And that's because you had to drive the 405 or the 101 to get to the I-5, to get to our house. And we recently celebrated 20 years in business and have changed our name from I-5 because every person was wanting to make an eye appointment would call us like, hey, can I get my eyes fixed? <laughs> I'm like, no. Um, so we are ship offers is what we do for a living. We ship, you know, ship people's offers 
Um, and the fascinating story is we celebrated 20 years and most businesses can't even say they've been around for two years. So very honored over this kind of time. I said a lot, gave you a lot, but it's all about saying yes until it makes sense to say no. Yeah. And congratulations on that 20 years. I know you were also on the Inc. 5000 list for six years in a row, which is absolutely incredible. And Just one of the today, that, number seven. Yeah. Number I'm seven. Excited. Today. Wow. Congratulations. Update that. Um, So one of the things that I'm actually reading the book zero to one right now. And one of the things that he talks about, Peter Thiel talks about in the book is he has this whole chapter about foundations and how the foundation of the company is one of the most important things. And you are in business with people that you grew up with in like when you were two to three years old, if I can remember correctly. So I would love for you to maybe speak to your experience of working with your childhood friends in your business and maybe give some advice for those listening who are looking for founder relationships and setting the foundation for building their companies. No, I love it. Man, I got one business partner today, Doug Roberts. Um, funny, interesting story. I was I was born uh, into a Jewish household. And so by the time I was, you know, old enough to know better, I was going to temple. <laughs> Gonna get there in a minute, but I can tell you the story because it really is gives you some context. Um, so by the time I was 12, I realized I didn't want my bar mitzvah. And so I ended up moving out of my house with my mom and I went and lived with my dad. And lived with my dad for a period of time. My dad sent me to Catholic school and I got kicked out of Catholic school. And I went back home to my mom's after I graduated junior high. And I remember got my ear pierced or something like that. And my mom was so mad at me and I'm like, screw this. I'm moving out. And I moved in with a Christian family uh, who happens to be my business partner's family, Doug Roberts. And his family took me in for a period of time. And lived there and moved back home and, you know, fixed whatever was wrong. It was me with my mom. And then several years later, I married a non-practicing Mormon and put it all in a Vitamix, hit puree and came to believe there's got to be something bigger than you and me. And I I just remember that um, there's people in your life that will stop you in your tracks. And, you know, you probably have heard the analogy season, reason or a lifetime um, my job isn't to figure out why. I've learned that a long time ago. My, my, my job is to be the best version of myself I can possibly be and be of service and contribution when I meet people. And Doug and myself, you know, we're good friends. He played football. He was one of those guys when I got in trouble and I'm running around the track, he would be like, oh, so, hey, Grub, I saw you running the track today. Like, what'd you do? And I'm like, oh, I screwed up in water polo. Like he was playing <laughs> football. So like there was more embarrassment than just, the people, it was people you knew and they would make fun of you. Um, so I got a chance to grow up with him. And then we went off to college, did our thing and, you know, kind of met up after college and um, got a chance to start this company. There's to be another partner, uh, another business partner. And we've kind of created the company, which it is today, just Doug and myself. And I will tell people, and I've heard this a lot, don't go in business with people, you know, like don't go in business with your friends. And I'm going to tell you, if you if you study the statistics, you could probably find something to do or not to do about anything in business. I say, man, like do what you believe is right. Do what you want and find somebody who's a really hard worker. I think that's what you want more than anything in life. You know, if you're going to marry somebody, marry somebody who makes you better, mm-hmm. you know, not makes you worse. Somebody who contributes, somebody who shows up, somebody like when you're not feeling 100% will help you to, to get back on track. Not like as a cheerleader, but somebody who will just like talk through stuff. And Doug's been that person for me and somebody who has really communicated effectively and allows me to be me. 
You know, he's got a very strategic role as a CFO, uh, gives me the opportunity to be the CEO, the visionary. I bring my ideas. He tells me, hey, it sounds good financially. It's not something we can do right now. And we've learned to, you know, balance off of each other. And so I, I look to find people in my life that I can collaborate with. Yeah. And I hadn't heard that analogy until you shared it on the, the um, mastermind that we were a part of that, that God puts people in your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. So um, if, if you mentioned that and somebody wasn't familiar with that, that I thought was really profound. And I know I took a note of that when I wrote that down. So I would love to maybe shift into, now that we have kind of an understanding of where you came from and a little bit about shift offer, ship offers, um, you and I had a conversation about a month ago, which was really cool. You just, you know, you were driving home and we had a great chat and you were talking about how much you were able to grow uh, during COVID. And I, I want to ask this in a way that is not that is evergreen. So whether you're listening to this now or in the future, think about this from any craziness that could be going on in the world. And so I would love for you to maybe share, I know you, maybe you can't share some of the numbers, but I know you got a new warehouse. You picked up on some incredible new players that are inside of your business because of COVID, but it took a perspective and a shift in your mind on how you were going to approach the whole thing. So I would love for you to share some of your insights and the crazy growth during COVID. Yeah, I mean, we made a, we made a post today and I think it, it sums it all up. It says in 19, Doug and I committed to one of the most significant changes in our company's history. We turned the leadership of each critical department over to the team we had been grooming for the past several years and we expected great things to happen. And then 2020 came along and you know the world and everybody, including you and me, got to experience uncertainty. No one knew what tomorrow was going to bring. And I'll tell you, no matter when you're listening to this, no one knows what tomorrow will bring even today. What we do have is an ability to ask for help. And, you know, so I did something I thought was relatively smart, really, really quick for my program of recovery. um, We were used to going to in-person meetings. I quickly said, well, shoot, we can't do that anymore. I'm going to launch Zoom meetings and went online and, and, Really, I got home from Europe on March 10th. I came back to a world scared. And by March 13th or March 14th, I had launched a first online meeting that I knew of for sobriety and got it called the cup of gratitude because I had a bunch of gratitude that I could drink a cup of coffee and sit in my house and feel safe and talk to other people who are like me going through crap. And then I was like, well, I, if I did that for my sobriety, because I have, I have like five different coaches in my life. I have coaches for different things that I go through. I'm like, well, I'm going to go get a, a board of ambassadors. I can't get to a mastermind. All the great events are canceling. What should I do? And so I created Networking Remote. And I invited three friends on a specific topic each week to just check in with me. Where are they at? What are they up to? So the likes of Roland Frazier, my buddy David Gonzalez, at O'Keefe, I had, I'm just thinking of all the great people who stopped by the show. And if I, if I didn't mention you, please don't take it. But I had just people who ran different agencies in the automotive industry with my buddy, Aaron Stokes, or my, my friend, Jeremy Wise, who was a podcaster, networker, and, you know, was really like-minded or people who were uh, brand agency owners and just trying to figure out what was going on. So one of the things that I reminded myself of is you got to ask for what you want the answers to. YouTube is my best friend. I YouTube everything. You know, I bought a ranch recently in in, uh, 2020. I didn't ever think I was ever going to own a ranch and I have 35 acres to take care of. 
it's not a lot of land for some and it's a lot for me. Um, and I YouTube most nights before I go to bed, like how to do this, how to do that. There's somebody willing to teach you that stuff for nothing. Masterclass.com is a great option if you want to have a very select, you know, chosen leaders of people teaching you. But man, there are your neighbors next door are stupid smart, but you're most likely not asking them for anything other than, oh, that guy runs a company or that guy is an employee. No, no, he's probably pretty handy around the house if you've ever seen him out there working. So I just use networking remote to network with some amazing professionals. And Everybody was struggling. Everybody was trying to figure out. So in a very short period of time, no one knew the answer. And I remember interviewing uh, my buddy, uh, Ron Lynch. He created IntelliHelp. And that was a service to serve as a platform for people all around, first, the United States, if they were in a local community and they ran out of diapers and you know, if they needed food or help, all these people, instead of just throwing money at an organization and then having no boots on the ground in these little locations, trying to figure out how to really help. He created through this platform and the need and wants of everybody wanting to help where these people had like boots on the ground because they were people living in that town that could go get supplies and bring them and drop them off. And they didn't need any pats on the back. It was just, how do I help grow? That also was a big catalyst for me in 2020. How do I grow when everybody is going through the exact same thing? That has been the key because today is the only day that matters in your life. It's the only day that matters. Everybody's like, well, no, I, you know, next week I'm going to be this or I'm going to do, I'm like, no, today's the only day that matters. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And yesterday's way, 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 way too long ago to change. So what are you going to do today? Your attitude. I got to sharpen it. So I read the books, worked out, became more. And that is the key. I think I teach anybody is like, are you willing to become more today? to get to where you've never gone before. You're going to have to do something. Otherwise you're stagnant. And how we talked in the very beginning, do nothing or do something. And I want to do something with my life. I think I'm just getting started. I've heard it uh, many times. Jim Rohn talks about it. Like the first 50 years of your life, you're in a living the next 50 years of your life, you give it away. And there's something magical about that. So I just decided to start a little bit earlier than that. And I want to use the resources that are at my fingertips. I'm talented on building a website. I know SEO. I know marketing. I can use my voice. I can use skills around me, but I can pick up the phone today and network pretty much all the way to the top of any tree in about two phone calls. I know somebody today because of somebody who can get me the next person that I want to talk to. I didn't know that skill 15, 20 years ago because I didn't have the internet. I just knocked on your door and asked you. So like, it's amazing what we have right now in front of us. That's like nothing else. And along the way, my business partner one day called me and he goes, you want to buy a building? And I'm like, yeah, sounds good. I don't own a building. I think that would be fun. And so we started looking at buildings. And so we bought a brand new building in, in 2020, uh, recently moved into it after doing an extensive remodel, um, just leased another 50,000 square feet of you know, additional warehouse space, looking at you know, East Coast, West Coast operations, um, grew our staff by almost double. So about 80 employees running around, uh, 150% growth in revenue since, you know, the beginning of 2020. 
Um, all of these kind of like changes, change our logo, changed a lot of philosophies that we kind of instill, re- reinvented kind of our core values back into our DNA and daily, still have a family first mentality. So if somebody's not doing well, family first, go take care of your family. Um, but the biggest thing that we did was give people empowerment empower the people to do what is needing to be done. Because otherwise, if you're waiting on me, one of the guys I worked with early on, Scott Mustin would say, if you're waiting on me, you're late, Hmm. right? You're waiting on me, you're late. And really is you want to empower your team. Nobody works for me. Everybody works with me. I've learned that. Don't act like a boss. I think that's like the worst thing in the world. Act like somebody who's got something important to do and and get enough people crazy enough to believe in your mission and go out and and help achieve it. Um, You won't find a sign like, like a boss in my office. You know, if somebody calls me a boss here, I will, I don't, if you're a a client, uh, somebody just walking by for the day and you stop and say, Hey, what's up boss? I will literally stop you and say, please don't direct me like that. (laughs) I want you to direct and call me my name. My name's Tony. And I want you to look at me like a human being. And I'm somebody trying to figure out life today, just like you are. Um, I'm just crazy and more adventurous than some. So every day I come to the workplace, I'm figuring out how we're going to get through what's coming our way. So second piece of advice, make sure when you get on the road in the morning, no matter if it's a sunny day outside, that you put windshield wiper fluid in your car and you get a new pair of windshield wipers every once in a while. So when that storm hits, you won't be stranded in the ditch. You'll actually be able to clear your vision and keep driving straight. Hmm. So I think this is actually a perfect opportunity to transition into some of the personal fulfillment stuff that you've, you've developed as the other side of, because you have the professional fulfillment with the you know, delivering products and you have the personal fulfillment, uh, you have the Be Fulfilled Journal. And so uh, I thought maybe a, a good way to jump into this, and I know it's a little bit of a, of a dark story, but would love to talk about what happened on October 9th, 2008. Sure. Um, my wife and I had, I basically was just a jackass, but my wife and I had already been separated at the time and recently come home from a trip and was given an opportunity, um, to go hanging with my kids, go get pumpkins or whatnot with my, my wife at the time. And so I said, sure, I'll go do it. And I was completely blank stared the entire time I was on drugs. I was totally checked out. And at the very end, when we pulled back up to the apartment where I was living, um, she said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And she got out of the car. We walked over to like the code box and she says, Hey, I just got to tell you, I don't love you anymore. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, you know, acting the macho man that I was. So no big deal. Have a great day. Plugged in my code, went through my gate, went up to my room and I just sat on the couch and I'm like, fuck this. This is bullshit. I ain't doing this shit anymore. I'm done. And I don't know if it was just me, but I, I went to the extreme. You know, I have no dimmer switch. I'm all in or I'm all out. And so I was like, I had never been told that before. I'd never, I mean, I had some issues with love, but I had never been told to my face, I don't love you anymore. That was that was like a dagger to the heart. I don't blame my wife. She just was trying to move on with her life. So I sat there, contemplated for a few minutes, and then I went into my medicine cabinet and I grabbed all the drugs I had, basically everything I could possibly find. Brought all these prescriptions out, grabbed my phone, started writing my suicide note. I was like, I'm going to text it out to the world because it's a lot easier. And I uh, got a phone call from a buddy of mine, uh, John Monazeri, just had a birthday yesterday, chatted with him. 
um, who said, I'm coming to see you. And I said, Oh, great. Kind of like the same response I gave my wife. I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. Um, and John, you know, proceeded to come over a few minutes later, I put all my stuff away and he knocked on the door and he says, you know, Tony, your life has meaning and purpose and how you're living right now doesn't. And I'm like, okay. All I was thinking is how much do I have to listen to this guy until I can get him out of the house so I can go kill myself. That's all I was thinking. And he proceeded to share with me for about 40, 45 minutes or so. Eventually left, gave me a hug. And a few minutes later after that, I got another phone call from a pastor buddy of mine, Brandon Beard. I talked to him, by the way, yesterday too. People are really important. So are dates. So remember that. Um, talked to him and we, we shared and he goes, you know, Tony, I see big things for you. Maybe right now, not so much because all the crap that you're dealing with, but I really have been praying for you and your family. I really see some magical things happening. I see you speaking on stages, sharing your message with the world, empowering changes. I said, all right, great lip service, whatever it was just to get them, you know, to leave. And I remember those were like the darkest days of my life because I wanted to take my life. You know, there's a suicide prevention hotline today. I encourage people to pick it up and call it, ask for help, tell people what you're dealing with. Don't, don't struggle alone. God didn't create us for isolation. He created us to be in community and service with others. And I really found that in my darkness, I found a message and I wanted to help my message. If I could impact one person, Sean and I got into all these kinds of conversations. He was always like, your, your story is your message is so powerful. You can change the lives of millions. I'm like, I just want to change the lives of one, one person today, mother Teresa, you know, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, they just went out and impacted one person at a time and their message snowballed. And that was my belief still is to this day. It just takes one person. If this episode is the worst episode you ever release for your podcast, but one person makes a change in their life, it's the most powerful episode ever because that one person changed their life. That's all that my mission is. Contribution and connection. That's all that I got out of bed for today. Everything else is a gift. It's like an endless buffet of awesomeness. Like all life to me today is, I, you know, I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous about 45 days after that first knock. I still struggled a little bit. I gave up drugs on October 23rd of 08, but I couldn't give up alcohol until 1214 of 08 and haven't had a drink since 1215 of 08. Why do you need to remember dates? You don't. But if you do, you'll remember the significance behind them and you have a higher probability of not missing out on those important things to celebrate. I teach people all the time, celebrate good, bad, and ugly. Celebrate the small wins, the big wins. They're all wins. They're like pebbles on a ground. A couple of pebbles don't mean much, but if you put a million pebbles in a bucket on a tractor and I dropped them off, there would be a huge pile of pebbles right in front of you. And you'd be like, wow, that's a lot of pebbles. So don't minimize where you're at, what you're up to, how big or small a win or a detail is. Um, and doing life's work helped repair my marriage. My wife and I just celebrated 23 years of marriage. Um, I'm beyond on all of my wife on a daily basis. She loves me when I don't feel like I'm worthy. She helps me when I need help. She is my life's partner. We walk, we talk, we have good times. She's, she's helped me to change to become, I think, the best version of myself today. Um, you know, we get two amazing kids, both in their 20s, living, doing life and, and having a blast. And I, and I think in the journey of discovering me, I found a message. And that message is what I share with the world through my podcast, through a journal and all of these resources 
and courses and classes that I, I just want to give things to people where they feel like they are not alone. Unfortunately, somebody listening right now could be in a position where they're like, I don't want to live anymore. And I know it because it was me. I didn't want to live anymore. I got to the point, I got a trigger and that trigger was to take my life. And I am a hundred percent grateful that my buddy, John called me, showed up and loved me enough to help me. I've been around the world with him. I've, I've been to Rome with him. Um, talked to him all the time. He recently out at my place and it's like a blessing, man. People, our highest form of currency is relationships. You can, you can have, and your currency could be worth a lot or a little, depending on how well you show up in that relationship. And, um, so I, I spent a lot of my time, uh, improving the value of the currency by building really authentic and real relationships. And so I value people like John, my buddy, Brandon, like you, they don't want the surface. They want the depth. Your questions are not surface. They're not like, Hey, what color is it? You know, like, what does it look like? You want to know, like, what made it? Why did you get down that path? Like there's something magical there because you're like what I call the archeologist you're digging up. And then you're being the architect and showing people what they do want to build and what they don't want to build by giving them examples. And then you get to become the astronaut and blast off into the world and create anything that you want. Like I I didn't think Richard Branson or Elon Musk or Bezos, they knew what a rocket ship was. They saw it when they were a kid, right? They didn't know how to build it. So they asked a bunch of people who were smarter than them. Can we build it? Can we do this? Can we go here? Everybody's like, sure. You can build a rocket ship if you get enough people on board with your mission. And so I've just set out to, to really empower the world um, through kind of my word. And what I do is I don't have all the answers, man, but I'm willing to try today. Yeah, man. So there's, there's so much that we can still talk about. I, I think I'll put a pin on this, but I want to go to a story about how you've been able to leverage your relationships to open doors specifically about Enza and Alberto. So we'll, we'll, we'll put that as a, a foreshadowing, but before we get to that, uh, since we're on the self-improvement um, side of things, one of the tools that you give inside of your journal and one of the, the the strong, you actually have a whole mini course on this, which I would highly encourage everybody to talk about is this concept that you teach called drainers and drivers. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about that and how people can leverage that to become astronauts in their lives. Yeah. Drainersanddrivers.com free course, five days, take it. Don't be pissed at me if after day one, you're asking people things in your life and they're giving you truths and you have to swallow some serious shit about yourself, but it's life-changing. <laughs> it's definitely life-changing. Um, a buddy of mine, Kevin Cohen, one of my first kind of cool coaches that I got at chip offers through relationships, which is a great story. Just talked about him today in our, uh, history. We had 20 years and we gave away some prizes to our team employees who, who got a bunch of stuff, right. Um, the, the power of like a relationship, for example, can not just unlock the door in front of you, but it can unlock the vault that you can't even see it even exists. You can like, it can do things for you. And Kevin and I were talking years ago about this concept called drainers and drivers. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, there's things in your life that drain you and things in your life drive you. I'm like, absolutely. So he shared the concept with me. I just took the concept and, 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 and put it out fully. Um, so it was one of those things where it was just like, how do I teach this concept and help a fellow entrepreneur or business owner to avoid the pitfalls. And the, and one of the, the, the pitfalls that a lot of us go through is we're stuck doing shit today that we don't like to. 
and we don't know how to get out of it. We don't know how to do it. So we keep doing it and we hope that it's going to get magically better. It just doesn't. It always usually gets worse. And so the concept drainers and drivers really was already there. I just took it and added my little salt and pepper to it and, and, and really built something. I bought the domain. I've talked about it. I wrote about it in my journal. And, you know, one of the best things you can do is take a piece of paper and just write on the left-hand side, what's draining you. And then what's driving you and just put it down because you, you know, like maybe you hate cleaning your desk. Like you may not like doing your laundry. You may not uh, like a dirty car. Like you just, you may do the stuff like wash mm-hmm. your car, but you mumble and, you know, the whole time and yeah, you pick up the stuff on your desk, but it's a pain in the butt or whatever it may be. But if you put it down, then you actually take it from fantasy in your head to actually possibility. And the possibility is you can do something about it. And the reality is for me, um, drainers can flop to drivers and drivers can flop to drainers. So you gotta be really, really mindful of what you say and what you do. And so the quickest and easiest way is to take the free course I don't want to give you all the secret stuff, but imagine what's draining you today could be driving you tomorrow and could be the thing that helps you to make uh, an extra zero, two zeros at the end of your salary each year that you pay yourself or are paid. Um, but really becoming more is what Jim Rohn talks about us is like, that's our goal is to become more. Um, and drainer drivers really gives you the ability to become more in your life and stop letting the things drain you when really they could become your drivers. and You just don't know them. So second, become a good delegator. I've been fortunate enough to have some people who want to help me. And I know that you, Brandon, have people who want to help you. And there's people listening right now who want to help you. And you got to tell people what you're up to and where you're stuck so that you can get to where you want to go. Yeah. And I will just also just conclude by saying, would highly recommend checking the Drainers and Drivers course. It's drainersanddrivers.com. Is that what you said it was? Yep. So go check that out. And uh, I'll put a little teaser for day number two. Uh, Tony specifically has you sit down with a conversation with somebody that is important to you and ask them what drains you them about you. So I'm sure that's what he said, what you can find out uh, really quickly <laughs> about some of your relationships and how to improve them. So go check that out. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Okay. So I planted a seed before <laughs> about uh, Enza and Alberto. So I want, I want to give some context to this. So in a previous conversation I had with Tony, we were talking about his love for Italy and we both have this love for Italy. Tony's been to Italy approximately 3 million times. Uh, he, he would, he said he would fly to Italy just to have a dinner and fly back if he could. <laughs> um, but one of the things that he had mentioned in passing was that he was looking to buy property in Italy, which is a, a goal of mine in the future as well. And I know as somebody that has done a decent amount of traveling that, you know, sometimes there's lots of red tape about purchasing real estate in foreign countries and that kind of stuff. And you had mentioned a story about Enza and Alberto and uh, how they are opening the doors to you purchasing property in Italy. So I want to, that's the context of this, but I also want you to listen to this right now to think about how relationships can help you in every component of your entire life, whether it's personally or professionally. Um, so we'd love to you to, to open that story, Tony, and tell us a little bit about um, green cars, black cars, and Enzo and Alberto. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, fun, the funny part about relationships, man, uh, Nick Cavuto always talks about it, you know, relationships or rocket ships. And he also, we talk often about currency and relationships but you're really one relationship away from a whole new network. And, and, you know, like, I don't want to just talk business because I don't, when I train people, when I sit down and work with people and I coach, doesn't matter if I'm coaching at the highest level elite athlete or just somebody who just wants some help. I don't talk about money. 
Money is just a means to get what you want. What you want to talk about is the foundation, the core. So, you know, once again, we're going back to the archaeologist. You want to become the archaeologist. You want to dig up all the stuff. And so um, I happened to, to plan a trip with my wife and we get, we get to, you know, Italy and fast forward the story a bit. And then we finally get to go on a cruise. And I remember at the end of the cruise, I'm looking out into the whole um, parking lot and it's filled with black cars like Eurovans. It's like all black. And there's like one green one. And I'm like, man, I feel bad for that person who's in the green one. Like what did the universe do? It responded saying you're in the green one. And I got put in this green. I, it was more probably like a minivan to me than a Eurovan. And I get in that. And one thing led to another, we end up at a place in Rome and I befriended this guy, Marco, and just really hit it off with Marco. Marco was phenomenal. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago, just an amazing human being. And I pulled him aside. I said, man, if you want to get to the next level, bro, <laughs> you got to get rid of this green car. Everybody has the green car. Just kidding. It was a joke. I'm like, you got to get the black car. Everybody has the black car and it's definitely an upgrade. And so he called me or messaged me a few weeks later on WhatsApp. And he's like, I pulled the trigger and I got it. And I was like, man, I'm so proud of you. The next day he texts me. He's like, and someone just stole it. And I'm like, oh, oh damn, sorry. And really began to realize language is not a reason not to have a relationship with somebody. Language is just an opportunity for you to understand somebody at a different level. So I use that in the back of my thinking to say, like, I don't speak any Italian. My name's about as much Italian as I know. And when I got a chance to go back to Italy, I hit up Marco and I asked him, like, hey, I'm coming. Is there any way you could give me a ride from Rome down to Positano? It's like three, three and a half hours. And he did. And he was so gracious enough to take my wife and I down to Positano. We stayed at this really, really nice villa overlooking uh, the Amalfi. And... We, I think we were there a second or third night. We, I think we were getting ready to leave. And this lady, she happened to be pregnant at the time, uh, Enza was walking up and she was just getting ready to say goodnight. And my wife being the awesome girl she is said, why don't you come and sit down and talk? And so she brought some nuts and, and brought some wine for my wife and sat. And I think I stayed for like an hour, hour and a half of the conversation. I think they chatted for like three or four hours. I think her husband was like, where are you? And she's like, I'm here. And at the end of it, um, she had to walk a thousand steps to get back up to Montepetuso where she was at from the villa, where we were at to the village up top. And the next day, I remember she gave us a hug goodbye as we were leaving. And we just really felt like well taken care of. And she understood she studied hospitality. So her English was pretty good. And my wife and her really hit it off kind of like my wife's sister. They just like had a great relationship and we proceeded. I think we've gone maybe 15 times now to Positano and have had just been blessed with opportunity and they're like family and Alberto I've gotten a chance to hang with. And I, I'm just talking to him Sunday night or Monday, I was asking about how to grill vegetables and how to do something in the yard. And we were just laughing and having a good time. And I realized that, you know, as long as you're willing to try, it's amazing what willingness comes from other people. And so Alberto and Enza along the way, we joke, like, I'm going to get a divorce. I'm going to marry Enza. Amber is going to divorce me and marry Alberto. So we'll have our end to buy. It's totally, it's never going to happen, but it's like the funny kind of thing. And so 
along the way, I've said to him, I said, Hey, is there any chance we could collaborate? I'd really like to buy a piece of property. You know, I'm not going to be able to manage it and take care of it. And so we've been having that conversation and, um, you know, the goal is, is that I can buy something, they can help manage it. They make some money. I make some money when I'm not using it, they can use it or we can rent it out. But I really going to tie this all perfectly together. Wanted my friend Enza to meet my buddy, Marco. I wanted him to meet like at a deep, a deeper level. And I have a picture in my other room of the time we got them all together. Don't be afraid to introduce your friends to other people, help build their network. And so from that, I've now done some cooking classes online. The chefs that we know from Rome, I introduce them to our friends in Positano. Um, and then people who drive every time any of our friends go to Italy, I always hook them up with Marco and he'll drive you around. Um, so I've got this whole Italian network that I created basically off of, oh, I feel bad for the guy who's going to be in the green car. <laughs> and, and, and part of the life's magic is that you don't know who you're going to meet. So don't be a, don't be a douchebag. Be, be somebody that you want to help somebody to get to their next level, right? You want to get them to be the best version of themselves. And so, you know, every single day is, a, is an opportunity to put that into practice and to play and, uh, you know, Enza and Alberto, uh, we may we we may be in different lines of life, right? Meaning Italian and American, but like our when we're together, it's family. And we we recently went to Italy, <laughs> surprised Enza knocked uh, knocked on Alberto's door. He knew we were coming, got it all teed up and set up, and then Enza came into where we were staying and thought she was going to meet like her brother-in-law's friend who wasn't there when he was supposed to be. And so Enza finally comes and she was a little bit annoyed that she had to come and meet some people she didn't really need to meet. And she opened the door and she just like had this like look on her face, like, huh? What? And she was so faded and confused because we were supposed to be there last year during COVID and everything like that. And I just remember my wife, I have this really, really vivid memory of my wife and her just hugging and, and language being not an issue and love just being the, the greatest thing. And they, these two people are just so happy to see each other. And we spent, you know, seven magical days uh, in Positano and just had so much fun. And, and I'll be back in a couple months. And I, you know, one of the greatest things is when you find some place that you want to go, as you know, you've lived in Italy you think about it, dream about it and want to do more of it. And that's what I've kind of learned about business and life. Like you want to do more of it with the people that you love. So build great, authentic, real relationships with the people in your life. And uh, don't put any, um, any expectations on the outcome. Cause I think once you start doing that, I think you start really then not having fun anymore. I think you, you start expecting it. And I, I will tell you the greatest gifts that I've ever received are the ones I don't know are coming. Yeah. I, this is a new lens that I'm putting on. Not that I didn't have it before, but I think it's strengthened recently as of after studying people like yourself, Tony, and our, our mutual friend, Jules. But it's like every single human that shows up in your life is there for some reason. Like you just have to really look for it. Um, and I just thought that was a beautiful story of you just kind of there, there are so many people that have successful businesses like you and like, they'll, they'll like, you know, they have their big egos and they look down on people that aren't at the levels that they're at or whatever it is, but it's just like, it's so 
perfect to realize that everyone is beautiful. Everybody has their own reason for being here. And whether it's the person that you're checking out at the grocery store or another business colleague, like there's lots of value in all those relationships and you got to treat them all with love and beauty and cool stuff is going to come from it. So compassion, uh, not comparison. That's the name of the game. That's what you want to do. Have a lot of compassion for people doing cool stuff. Don't try to compare yourself to others because that'll leave you in a rut. But if you have a bunch of compassion, you'll just have a, a different space to love and be loved yeah. and, and, and excel. 100%. So I want to be uh, respectful of your time. I know you have a, a, a flight to catch. Uh, I think you're buying, you're, are you buying another property? Aren't you something like that? I'm, I'm looking at some property. I'm, <laughs> cool. I'm heading to go visit some friends. I'm going to look at property. Um, yeah, we're trying to expand to Fun. the East Coast right now. Yeah, cool. So, um, I mean, we can kind of start. Well, first of all, there's one thing I just made a note. I wanted to thank you for this because you and I had a call a while back and you had mentioned uh, one of your favorite movies, which you encouraged me to check out. It's called The Shift by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And um, you, you said that and I watched it the very next day. And it, it was one of those things where it just kind of it came in my life at the right time. And now I've gone down the rabbit hole of Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I this is one of my new favorite books. The Power of Intention is one of his and uh, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And so I think that um, if you are an entrepreneur that hasn't necessarily explored the more spiritual side of things, I'm not I'm not playing what you should or shouldn't do. But for me, it has been very, very valuable. And I wanted to thank you for sending me down this path because that's been really cool and insightful for me. So thank you for that. Um, Tony, I I mean, this is, this is, I have one final, two final questions I want to ask you, but is there anything that you feel like we didn't cover today that you felt like we should have talked about that would be very valuable for our listeners? I like that question. I asked that on my show. (laughs) Um, no, you know what, man, I'm just honored. Like I said, from the very minute I got a chance to be on with you, it's a gift and I, and I don't take it lightly and I play full out. Um, you know, either you're waiting for a handout or you're playing full out. And yeah. uh, I show up today to play full out with you. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. And so, okay, so I'm looking forward to, I will be recording an episode on your podcast for you. So we'll flip the table a little bit. But the very first question that Tony asks all of his guests is the question, what is your definition of success? Um, and I think that's a really, really cool question to be asking. And so as somebody that has interviewed and heard all of these answers of your definition of success, and as somebody that has been to the top and the bottom and everywhere in between, we'd love to hear your kind of consolidated thoughts on what success means to you. Living one day at a time. I, I have found the greatest gift over the last almost 13 years of my life, living life one day at a time. Um, success is not an accumulation of money, things, all of it can be taken from you in a moment but life experiences come one day at a time and to be really present and crystal clear about today is an absolute gift. And I unwrap it every day with kind of like how a kid would, if you celebrated a holiday, like Christmas, you would be excited for that gift. You wouldn't want to tear it open too fast just to get to it and be disappointed. I unwrap each day slowly and surely just enjoy everything along the way. I don't know what tomorrow will look like. Yesterday was amazing. And today's been just an absolute blessing. So why not enjoy it? And so success to me is just living life one day at a time. Hmm. Love that. And this is, so this is the question that I ask on my show is what does happiness mean to you? So I'm curious, does that definition change from what success or would you answer that question differently? I don't, you know, happiness that I've experienced is an elusive state. It comes and goes. I try, I, you know, I, Yoda says do or do not, right. There is no try. <laughs> um, but, you know, with happiness comes some confusion um, and not a negative or a positive way. It's just, where are you looking for happiness? 
Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I are empty nesting. We're working every night together out on a property and can sit next to my wife and not have a single thing to say out loud, but feel a hundred percent love and comfort and joy and all that warm, tingly happiness next to her. And we can be in a full blown out conversation and be completely happy. And I think happiness is just being with people that you love and doing things that you love and making sure that you are treating yourself with kindness. And that was a very difficult thing. And it it shows up a lot in, you know, my relationships and early on that I wasn't happy. I was avoiding happiness. I was trying to find happiness in drugs. I was trying to find a happiness in things a little bit more following my dad's side than being mindful of what my mom was doing on her side, which was trying to just hold it all together. Uh, and so happiness for me comes in different shapes, shapes and sizes, but it's really just being um, present. And, and if I can be present, then I can live and manage life one day at a time. And that'll be success to me. And so happiness is, I think, a long ways to get to the same, same place is being present. There's so much the world has to offer, but I think we're so busy trying to puff out our chest say we've got this all shit figured out. And I don't know what any of this thing is, man. I I had zero expectations other than making sure I'm hundred percent present with you for this interview. I'm, I'm elated, bro. Like we got to spend a couple hours just kicking it, having some fun, having some conversations offline, online, helping one another to be the best versions of ourselves. No expectation on needing anything in return. Didn't need to even have me on your show. It was awesome that you said, Hey, I want to be on your show. I know there's a big waiting list and all this prerequisite stuff, but I kind of remind myself of walking into the radio show and say, I don't need any of that. Like, can we just have a conversation? And you're like, sure. And next thing I know, we probably have four episodes wrapped up into this, right? Like you could do a lot. Um, but that's happiness, man. It's just being present, being, being available. I appreciate that. And I really have been, all the time we spent together, I'm I'm so grateful for it. I know we've had multiple phone conversations, and I love love getting that call. You just call me on a random day. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Tony. Get to hang out with him. So thank you for that. I really really appreciate that and the time that we spent together. Tony, where can people find out more about uh, the journal? Where they can find out more about ship offers? Can you just let everybody know now that they've they've entered the world of Tony, where they can find out more? Yeah, just if you can spell it. Um, and you can't Google correct it for you. So Tony Grubmeyer.com. That's the only resource you need. You can get to ship offers. You can learn about drainers and drivers, take a free course, be fulfilled, all that other fun stuff. End of the day, reach out. I'll do my best to get back to you. Um, and I want to leave you with this thought. You're not alone. You may feel alone, but you've got a lot of people pulling for you and I'm one of them. So if you give me the opportunity to connect with you, I'll do my part. Um, and I'm, I'm here to help you on your journey, not just another person to just say, oh, I know that guy. I'm like, I want you to really know who I am because ultimately I want to be somebody who um, is of service. And that gives me the ability to feel fulfilled. And that ultimately is my life's mission is to help people to become fulfilled, to help people to live on mission. So thank you. Yeah. People can feel the love. I feel the love. And that is Tony G R E B M E I E R. Uh, unless you want to just let Google correct it for you. That's cool too. But, uh, really quick, I want to have a conversation with you listening right now, just you and I, and I know I say this at the end of every episode, but I just want to say, if you are brand new 
I want to say to you, you could be listening to any other podcast right now. It could be anywhere else, but you chose to show up with me and Tony and be present and, and, and hang out with us. So I am so grateful uh, for you for, for listening to the show. And if you're returning the same exact thing, you're absolutely what makes this possible. I truly appreciate you and thank you. And, and whether you're new or returning, I have one favor to ask of you. And that is if you have listened to Tony's stories, his ups and downs and, maybe you resonated or you know a friend that's going through some tough times. I, I know suicide and, and suicidal thoughts is never a fun thing to talk about, but as somebody that has gone through it, Tony shared kind of what it was like to be there. So if you have a friend that may be going through some tough times and you, you, this, this can definitely, you know, absolutely save someone's life. If you just decide to share this episode with someone. So would really appreciate that. It's going to help Tony and myself, but whether you choose to do that or not, thank you for hanging out with us today. And again, Tony, thank you so much for being here. This has been an honor, my friend. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.